Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Yeah. All right. Here we are, Bengals Chalk Talk, and my guest today is Robert Weintraub uh, of Football Outsiders, Cincinnati Magazine, and several other publications. Uh, Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. So I, you know, I definitely wanted to get somebody on here who's a you know is a, a big Bengals fan and knows the team inside and out, uh, and and could kind of break down the whole roster with me in a, you know, in a, in a brief podcast uh, as we start to look at the combine and then start to get into, uh, into free agency uh, coming up here shortly, just to kind of see where we're at and, and where we need to be going. So lots to cover. Uh, so, there, so what do you say we get right into it? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to do this kind of the reverse of how most people do. Uh, and I'm going to start with the defense and start on the defensive backfield. So cornerback is an interesting position because, uh, you know, there's definitely a potential for a lot of transition there in the next few years. Uh, you know, most notably with uh, Dennard uh, as a potential free agent right now. Uh, what do you think of, of where this cornerback group is now and, and where they, you know, uh, could be in the future. Yeah, it's funny. You know, entering last uh, season, we thought of the DBs and the corners specifically as, you know, one of the few positions of absolute strength on the team. Uh, you know, he felt pretty good with, with Jackson, uh, William Jackson and Kirkpatrick, and, and as you said, Denard, plus some depth pieces that they added. Looked pretty good going in. We figured, all right, there's one thing we don't have to worry about, at least for a couple of seasons, and yet here we are, and we could have almost – universal uh turnover at the position now just goes to show how how quickly things change in the nfl and and you know how these guys should all rent and not buy uh let's start with him because you brought him up i mean yeah he's he's a guy who you know didn't get what he wanted in free agency last year came back on a team-friendly deal uh was very tough uh and gave the team what they wanted against the run i think you know he's still sort of hit or miss uh, in coverage, uh, but you know, as a slot guy, you could do a lot worse. And I, I don't know that he's going to get a contract that he's, you know, that he's expecting anywhere else again. I, I, I you know, don't imagine any other team is going to break the bank for him. Um, you know, they could certainly give a similar deal to what the Bengals are offering, and he may just decide that you know it's time to go to greener pastures and start something new. But uh, yeah. I, I have a sneaking suspicion he'll be back. I, I don't know that we'll see him move on, you know, B.W. Webb is not a guy who did anything to supplant him in anybody's eyes. I know, uh, you know, the, the defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, Anarumo, always trip over that name a little bit, uh, 
you know, he's, he's familiar with his system and he brought him over from the Giants and, and that was a guy they sort of expected to be, you know, kind of the, the, the brainiac at least in the, in the backfield and explain the scheme to everybody. Uh, didn't necessarily work out that way. He had a couple of moments, but I think, uh, most of BW's moments last season were of the comic variety, the unintentional comic variety, <laughs> falling down in various places and, uh, getting turned around, thrown to the ground, that kind of thing. It's not the kind of, uh, not the kind of highlights he was expecting when he donned the stripes, so to speak. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that uh, that Darquez is going anywhere. I, I think he'll be back. And of the three guys, I think between Jackson, Kirkpatrick, and 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 Denard, I sort of see him as the most likely to come back. And I never would have thought that heading into the season. I, I think you, you're looking at a, you know, Kirkpatrick is almost. You know, I wouldn't say he's almost certainly gone. You never know how these things work out, but uh, he's a strong possibility to be cut or or moved. Uh, and even William Jackson, who we had such high hopes for, and we thought was going to be the guy. You know, I mean, he seemed like mm-hmm. a, a surefire shutdown corner, and it just hasn't developed that way. Maybe it's still there, and it's it's still you know just needs to be brought out of him. He's certainly had flashes over the last couple of years. Uh, he hasn't been fully healthy. That's been part of it too, but. He hasn't been the you know this kind of the automatic Jonathan Joseph type, for example, that we thought we that we thought we were drafting in the first round uh, a few years ago, and we're going to see on the field week in and week out. It just hasn't developed that way, and you know some guys obviously develop a little bit later on, and hopefully that'll be the case with him if he if he does stay. But I, stay, but I could you know, I could see him being moved too if the Bengals are really you know serious about a complete roster overhaul. They may look at him as being a guy with a lot of trade value, and, and he could get uh, moved before the draft for some pieces. I, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. So, as you say, there's there's definitely a lot of turnover possibility in the in the defensive backfield and the corner, particularly. And uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked, and I wouldn't be that mad to see it either. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know Kirkpatrick's an interesting one. I I hope they don't cut him. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and I think his. Obviously, money's a factor, uh, and and that was a that was a tough contract. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's sometimes we we, we see guys and and we see guys making mistakes, and we we say, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of that guy, but then what? You know, I mean, yeah. we are we are we rolling with Tony McRae? I mean, like, <laughs> no, no yeah. disrespect, it's the first random guy that came to my mind. You know, Greg Maben back there. Um, it may have been. So, I was going to say Tory McTire. I mean, is that going to be the? Yeah. Answer? I don't think so. I, uh, I mean, no, Kirkpatrick's good. He he was when he was healthy when he was out there last year. I thought he played well. I mean, like you say, he, he tends to have the, you know, the sort of obvious casual fan mistake that everybody can point to in the post game show and say, uh, uh, Kirkpatrick killed us again with that defensive, you know, inter- uh, holding or whatever. But. You know, for the most part, he provides good coverage. I, I, I'm with you. I think it's purely a, a monetary move if, if that's what happened. You know, they can. Has, has football outsiders ever done anything on on that? Like a like a study on if a player, you know, grades positively for the entire game, you know, what one colossal mistake that you know, giving <laughs> up a long touchdown or dropping an interception that would have been a pick six. Uh, you know, like what the effect on that person, not necessarily from a grade standpoint, but like their actual like perception. likelihood of winning. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it definitely, it definitely affects perception, but I, but I wonder how much of it, oh. how much of that is actually true, you know? <laughs> like a win percentage kind of thing. You know, that's a great question. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been done because it's just kind of a, a semantic 
you know, what sure. what's the one big play? It's hard to, you know, get common consensus on that. But I think you're absolutely right in that, yeah, not only does the common, the perception obviously gets colored, and I think that's really a, a case where Patrick has been uh, hurt over the years. But, you know, I, there have been games where you look at it and say, boy, if he just kept his hand or if the referee was more, you know, <laughs> helpful for him or mm-hmm. if he just kept his hands down or turned his head just a fraction of an inch earlier, Bengals win yeah. the game. It's not even just like a player, you know, they don't give up a touchdown instead of a field goal, whatever. They they win outright. And while Football Outsiders, to my knowledge, has never really done a full uh, study on that, I think there's a lot to that where, you know, some guys just, and certainly some positions and defensive back, maybe most of all, other than perhaps mm-hmm. kicker, uh, affect your win probability, you know, from play to play. And from game to game, more than any other. And, uh, you know, he's had a star-crossed career when it's come to that. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Kirkpatrick really, you know, the, the way I look at it, we, we have this problem in Cincinnati because we've had a lot of first-round picks who are disappointing. But mm. it's not like they're absolute complete busts. You know, like Kirkpatrick has never been what you wanted from a first-round corner. But he's always been at least a solid CB2. Um, sure, he's and, never and, terrible. Yeah, so I mean, I think he could be, he could benefit from going somewhere else. I think somewhere else they'd, they'd appreciate him a lot more. You know, fitting into a into a cornerback two role somewhere. Um, you know, I, I, he can definitely have some success. Uh, Jackson, you know, it's just coming off the year he had, and you know, the whole defensive backfield had a rough year, but uh, now they've got to make a decision on on the fifth year option for him, um, and. You know, who who is he really? You know, and are you, are you, are you going to give him that kind exactly. of money? Um, I mean, in the it, sense, the best thing he has going for him is the fact that Kirkpatrick might, you know, might be cut or might be moved in some capacity. And then, like you said, you know, where are you going from there? So, in that sense, sure. you might look at it and say, oh, well, regardless of what we think about Jackson, we got to keep him because we, we yeah. need to have a known entity out there, you know. Uh, and I was kind of generically throwing out names, but I think, I mean, obviously Darius Phillips has shown some really good things. Yes. Um, the problem with Phillips, though, it, Phillips, Phillips is short. Um, yes. <laughs> and Jackson isn't particularly tall either. Now, I'm not somebody that gets really caught up on that from the cornerback position. But you want somebody with some size there, you know, just to, so you can play around with it. So, you know, like when you're in the goal line and you got to cover Julio Jones as if they ever throw the ball to Julio Jones in the goal line, uh, you know, that you've got somebody that doesn't have a disadvantage there. So uh, it's tough when you're looking to, to bump him up, you know, and, and you're looking at a complete lack of size at that position. It, it'd be, I look at it like a basketball team, you know, like you want to you wanna have some different guys that can get some different matches for you. Exactly. You want to have the mix. You don't need to have like the, you know, the Seahawk where we're only going to get six two guys with long arms, or we're yeah. you know we're going to go not go the other way, uh, and only go five ten guys who can sky. But you know, like you say, you want to have uh, at least one of each <laughs> sort of yeah. prototype so you can uh, spread across the field and match up in certain situations. Exactly as you say, exactly. And uh, you know, I like Phillips a lot too. I think we all. No, it's a small sample size, but he, he showed, you know, ball skills that we certainly haven't seen out of a lot of the other guys out there. Yeah. Recent vintage uh, and he's got like that. Uh, I'm intrigued by this guy out of the CFL they signed, Winston Rose. I've only, obviously, like most people, have only seen handfuls of what he can do. Sure. He was, uh, you know, I saw that little the Grey Cup and he played well there. And, you know, he's, you know, a, a folk hero in Winnipeg for what that's worth. Yeah. 
<laughs> but a lot, you know, lot more ground to cover there. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, that's always kind of I've always had that in the back of my mind where I always wondered why they didn't in the NFL didn't look more toward the CFL for guys like that because of the demands placed on them and the, just the nature of that game. You know, if you can if you can stand out at a cornerback position in the CFL, it seems like it would translate. If, provided you had the you know the requisite athletic traits, seems like he would definitely be able to translate. So I'm hoping that uh, you know they may have found a diamond in the rough. I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a you know shut down corner right off the bat, but if he can contribute, that would yeah. be a nice little addition to the mix. And uh, you know, might color their thinking on uh, on Kirkpatrick for sure, at least for one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I think. He's, you know, both those guys, uh, Phillips uh, and, uh, you know, and, and the, the Canadian, <laughs> you know, those are guys that, uh, yeah, Winston Moss there. Those are guys that have shown, uh, you know, that they can make plays and they can get their hands on the ball, which is something this defense has lacked. Uh, yeah, now, God. one guy that has been able to do that uh, has been Jesse Bates. So, you know, right. as we kind of move over to the safety position, um, I, you know, Bates had a bit of a sophomore slump. Um, I think Williams was having a rough time early on, but kind of came along. And uh, obviously we've got some good depth uh, uh, slash special teams guys in uh, Fedulum and uh, Brandon Wilson, both of whom yep. uh, are potential free agents. Wilson, I believe, is restricted, though. Uh, so what do you think of that safety position? Yeah, I thought that there were at least a little bit of extenuating circumstances, both with Bates and Williams last year in terms of, you know, uh, as you say, they had certainly slow starts. Williams obviously was hurt, and he played through a lot of injuries last year. They were saying in the locker room, they, they were blanching at how tough he was, even by NFL standards. You know when NFL guys say how tough a guy is and playing, being able to play through an injury, then he really must have shown something because, uh, you know, he was out there on one leg for some of these games, it felt like, and he's still effective enough. Uh and Bates, I, I thought Bates really just struggled to comprehend the system uh, at first, and his tackling was not great, but he sort of pulled it together. I was very encouraged by the fact that, you know, his his struggles didn't last the whole season, which you see a lot when, you, as you say, sophomore slump. A lot of guys go through that in their second year, and especially with a bit of a scheme change thrown into the mix. But the fact that he, you know, had a really good second half was, I thought, pretty encouraging. And, you know, we all know that, He's got, like you said, the ball skills that so many other Bengals don't have. Uh, that sets him apart right away. And he's, you know, he has a lot of uh, other elements to his game that I think the Bengals sorely need back there, and just in terms of intelligence and, and where to play. Uh, and so, in that sense, while sort of the big picture overview everybody took of the Bengals is that their safeties were atrocious last year, and at times they were. Mm-hmm. You know, by the end of the season, I thought they were playing pretty well, and, and I was encouraged by the fact that both those guys kind of overcame what they had to at the beginning of the first half of the season and, and you know, kind of brought it together, which is which is good. And, and you know, Fred obviously contributes what he uh, greatly on special teams. I know they value him a lot. Great name, too. You hate to you hate to get rid of a guy with a name like that. But, but so yeah, I just it. I just stopped putting too many <laughs> syllables in it, so we, we can't get rid of him now. <laughs> he's, got, he's, he's got that Belgian beer thing to him, you know. It sounds like he uh, <laughs> should be some sort of ale. Uh, and you get to see the Patriots snapping him up and him being, you know, an all-pro on the special teams. So you never want to see that. So hopefully they'll keep him around. And Wilson, Absolutely. too. Wilson is restricted, as you said. So uh, I think they'll probably tender him and, you know, He's 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 in the mix too. Obviously, kick returning was uh, part of his mm-hmm. part of his package, and, and uh, you know I don't know if, how many people know this off the top of their heads, but at Football Outsiders, we do uh, 
you know, efficiency breakdowns, not just for offense and defense, but also for special teams. And the Bengals had the number one special teams unit, if you can believe it, in the entire league by our by our numbers last year. A lot of that yeah. was from the from the return game, obviously, and also from the the, the Gunners games. I mean, you know, the, the kickers were good but not great, but they were helped out a lot by the fact that the tackling was excellent on the special teams. And, and Wilson, both Wilson and uh, and Fresno were were big parts of that. So, uh, you know, I know Darren Simmons would like to have both those guys back. We'll see how that plays out, and I think safety is in the mix. Certainly for uh, a draft pick on day two, uh, so we'll see how that plays as well. But you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not particularly down on the safety unit right now. If they roll back these four guys next year, you know, there's worse there's worse quartets in the league for sure. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, my my issue with Bates, I I want them to keep him out of the box, like just yeah, let him stay high because. He's not a great tackler. Yeah, he's a great range guy, and and it's definitely between the two. You definitely want Williams low, and you want and you want Bates high. So, um, I and and I, I think that a lot of the times when he was rocked down, it was an adjustment to motion, you know, and, and Williams was down initially, and then they they kind of you know they were on a string, uh, as as the motion came. So I'd like to see that adjustment change, um, because I I. I Honestly, think the teams were doing that on purpose. Uh, yes, no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, definitely would would like to see that change. But, uh, but yeah, some some good players. You know, if they can get to the top of the game, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, and, and and Williams can also sorry to interrupt there, just but you know thinking yeah. ahead to the linebacking play, and as we all know how hard that's been. But you know, Williams, as you say, as as a box safety slash hybrid linebacker slash you know chess piece, whatever they call them, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in particular systems, obviously it's pretty effective, uh, much more so than Bates. And if, as you say, they can find a way to, to counteract the schematic ways that teams were attacking them last year by moving Williams out, Bates down, and attacking Bates close to the line of scrimmage, if they can, you know, find ways to go the other way or get a third safety back there and just play Williams close to the line of scrimmage and have him not move, uh, I think that sure. would that would do wonders for what they're trying to accomplish on defense. Yeah, and, and that's interesting too because if we we you know we already said that Dennard likely to come back, but if Dennard yeah. doesn't, you know maybe it becomes less of a nickelback situation in, in right. certain at certain times and more of a three safety. Uh, so you know that, that's definitely a possibility. And you know you you apologize for interrupting me but at the same time you you made the segue to linebackers that I was just yeah. going to make anyway so you got us where we needed to be um and uh yeah man, absolutely so you know obviously linebacker um we saw just a a huge lineup of of washed up players come through here oh. over the last few years yeah. trying to fill a spot and man Carlos Dansby was a great player but he and I were in college at the same time, uh, so that you know that wasn't that wasn't doing it, and you know that doesn't bode we've well, seen right? these guys come through. Finally, you know, I, I I was very high on Jermaine Pratt coming out. I I wouldn't have I would have loved him in the second round. They got him in the third. Um, showed some promise as the year went out when they let him play through his mistakes. Uh, I thought Vigil looked better in the second half of the year. I actually thought Vigil looked better when Pratt got in there because I think Pratt was kind of running the defense, which is odd for a rookie, but I, I think he was getting Vigil lined up. Yeah, I um, think you're right. But Vigil is a potential free agent. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on, on this position and, and, you know, what should be done there? Yeah, I think, 
I think Vigil, just to build off your point, is the kind of player who does more with less in terms of responsibility, and if he can just take away as many of the mental aspects and, and worries about where everybody else is and just let him play and react, you know, he does a much better job. Now, that's probably true of a lot of guys, but and certainly mm. we saw with Vigil last year, and, and as you said, Pratt, uh, you know, I, uh, he's a rookie, so you expected him to have some struggles, and, and certainly there were plenty. But another guy who played much better as the season went on and, and came on, I thought, in the final fourth of the season in particular, uh, and he was the opposite, sort of the more responsibility in terms of setting the defense and, and what the entire unit was going to do, the better he played, which I thought was encouraging and, and unusual for a rookie. And I was with you. I, I liked him coming out, and when he fell to the third – you know, like like you, I, I was like, all right, here's our perfect chance in the second round to grab him. And then they picked Sample, through Sample, and it was like, oh, God, did we just blow a chance here to really improve the defense? And it wound up working out, so we can't complain too much. But, uh, I, yeah, I, as you say, as long as there's not filling the position with the scrubs of the dregs of the league, as they've done over the last five years, you know, the A.J. Hawks of the world and, uh, you know, going – going way back uh, guys like that I, anything is better than that oh my god uh, we've seen so many slow of foot and slow to react linebackers back there just getting turned around and now it's obviously much more exacerbated with the advent of Lamar Jackson twice a year and having to deal with that <laughs> yep. whirling dervish of an offense it's, it's putting such a premium on guys who can think fast and play fast and you know Right now, you're definitely looking at Pratt being pretty much the only guy you can rely on in that case. I thought Jordan Evans, you know, I mean, he had a moment or two every now Just when you're ready to write him off completely, he'd make a play and be like, well, that looked okay. And But, you know, uh, he's he just doesn't recognize, you know, he doesn't. he's a guy who mentally seems lost, and I don't know if he's ever going to really fill in, and then they just don't, you know, there's nobody else really on the roster you look to and say there's a guy. So unless they're thinking of, going two linebackers or moving Williams down or doing some kind of scheme uh, that we're not sure that they're going to play yet. There's definitely a gaping hole there and in, in free agency and, and the draft. Or they'll probably address it in both. Uh, whether or not it's addressed to the point of it can turn from a glaring weakness into even an average uh, position of strength will have to remain to be seen. But um, as always, this time of year, I remain hopeful that they can uh, find a couple of guys who can uh, fill that spot <laughs> at long last. Give us somebody back there that can, uh, you know, make other teams kind of scheme around or, or put the fear of God into somebody like Lamar Jackson running over the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, um, you know, there's a couple of guys in the draft that, that have been talked about with Queen and Murray. Um, sure. I think Davis Gaither is another possibility, maybe not quite at 33, but uh, my mind might change on that when we see him run because I have a feeling that's going to be very, very impressive. Uh, yeah, as the combine goes combine. on this week, I agree. Yeah, we, um, hey, he may be shooting up the draft charts, no question. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, my big thing though is, I, look, they don't need to get Corey Littleton. Like, if, if they did and actually spent money and got Corey Littleton, it'd be like, yeah, okay, right. um, shocked. That'd be nice, right? While, <laughs> while we were serious when we said we're doing things in free agency, um, yeah. but you know, they've got to get somebody to where they're at least okay at that spot. Because the worst case scenario is you go into the draft and you need a linebacker. Yeah. And then exactly. you know if those guys aren't there, and all of a sudden, you know, and, and you know, I think 
I don't think, uh, again, maybe my mind will change on this uh, after this week, but I don't think Davis Gaither is going to go in the first round like those other two guys could. Um, but that still doesn't mean he's going to be the best pick at 33. Uh, right. And you want to have the flexibility that, you know, if if uh, you know there's an off the tackle that that you think should have gone in the first there or yeah, uh, or Josh wide receivers, or, you know, or yeah, Chanel, yeah, right, something like that. The, yeah, the exact names I was thinking. You like you want to there have the go. flexibility to be able to go for those guys and not reach, even if it's by you know ten fifteen picks uh, on oh. a, on a player based on need. You know, you gotta you gotta address that stuff before the draft. No doubt, and that. You know, I was looking at some of the free agents out there, and, you know, it's weird to be in a position, not weird, it's a, it's usual for us, but weird for the NFL, where you're thinking a guy like Corey Littleton, who the average NFL fan has no clue who he even is, uh, and is, you know, not exactly Ray Lewis. I mean, he's a solid player. We we could use him. But even a guy like that, you're looking at and saying, wow, we got no chance of him. He's way too expensive. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what league are we playing in here? What, what's this new CBA going to make uh, Mike Brown as we uh, go forward? But that's, you know, a whole different discussion. Uh, you know, there's a couple other guys who could help. I, you know, I didn't see him play a ton, but uh, Nick Kwiatkowski off the Bears, every time I saw sure. him play, he made some, some standout splash plays. Now, I, you know, I'm assuming that – uh, and talking to friends of mine who follow the Bears and just in general, if they're willing to let him go into free agency or the fact that, you know, he didn't, you know, just take over the starting position. They have a lot of guys there. Uh, you know, he has his flaws just like a lot of guys do. But, you know, he'd step in and, and be at least on par with the best we have. Um, even the Joe Schobert, who I don't love, you know, we have him charting every year. Football Outsiders is missing the most tackles or close to the most tackles in the league. But, he does do some good things, and, and uh, he also would probably be as good as anybody we have. So, you know, there are some other options out there in the in the Bengal range, as I like to put it. You know, the sort of <laughs> third tier. Yeah, there's a few in there. Tier, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, there's some guys who could help, and and they're not. At least they're they're not like we were talking about earlier. The you know, old on his last legs. You know, bring him in for. You know his his ability to be in the in the meeting room as much as the field kind of guy. You know, at least they have they seem to have at least some spryness to them still, and at least that would give you some athleticism out there. Not high end athleticism, but better than what they were showing last year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, especially with really anywhere in the NFL, uh, but but especially you know with Lamar Jackson in there, um, it's not just that you need guys that can cover the pass. It's you need the speed for the run game as well. Uh, nobody's yeah. nobody's bringing in linebackers to stop the ISO in the NFL anymore, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> those guys aren't going to cut it. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that T-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. 
Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Uh, now, <laughs> moving down to the defensive line, uh, yeah. as we talk about run stoppers, obviously uh, you know, pass rushing as well. Uh, so we've got we got Gino and Dunlap back there. Um, yep. And, you know, I think statistically they weren't great this year, but I think those two still have a lot going for them. I, I honestly didn't think – Gino's been a little criticized this year. He didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, but I thought he had a good year. And and, and uh, overall, and I, I thought there were, there were times when he was literally a one-man run-stopping defense. Uh, yeah. Just the way he would just penetrate in the backfield and the whole rest of the defense was screwed up. But, but fortunately, you know, he made a play. Um so between those guys and young guys like like Lawson and Hubbard, uh, you know there's a there's a decent core there. Uh, what do you think of this defensive line group? Well, I mean, I think first to start with Gino, since you brought him up, I mean he's really his problem is twofold. One, the high, incredibly high bar that he set earlier in his career. I mean, that's really what we're gauging him against. He's not at that level, sure. but he's still outstanding. I mean, he'd still take him. Every team would take him. Last year he was excellent. Most you know, most of our stats and, and most regular stats other than, as you said, he didn't bring the quarterback down quite as much as he did. And, you know, building on that, his other problem is sort of the advent of Aaron Donald in the league. Now everybody's looking around and saying, wow, you know, there's a guy who's, you know, a Hall of Famer. Why can't Gino do the same thing? Well, okay, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald is sui <laughs> generis, you know, I and mean, that's why uh, I think there was nothing wrong with, with Gino last year other than the fact that it's another year you know, into his career and, you know, he's getting up there and that's just, you know, the, the years, even as good as he played last year, we probably have to expect a slight decline this year just because of his age or, you know, holding the fort where he was. People are still going to say, well, you know, we, we definitely uh, may need to move on from him pretty soon. And, and uh, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. I, I, I don't think he's the problem at all, though. I mean, that, that goes without saying. Dunlop, too, I mean, you know, Dunlop's problem his entire career has sort of been the roller coaster. We always tagged Andy Dalton with the roller coaster label, but uh, Carlos, in a much less glamorous position, is kind of does the same thing. He'll take an entire game or two off. You're like, whatever happened to Carlos Dunlop? Don't we have him on the team? And then he'll be, you know, he'll <laughs> demolish tackles for, you know, three games in a row, and you're like, aha, this is my man. Yeah, I remember him. So it's, if he could ever just you know, get the get a 16 or, dare we say, 17 uh, games of uh, of high-end play together in one season, you know, they'd be in great shape. Because I thought Hubbard really took uh, a next step last year. I was really impressed with him uh, when he was you know, when he was out there. He played very well. Uh, great hands inside and outside. Much better player, kind of all-around player than I thought he'd be coming out of college. I don't know where you stood on him when he was drafted, but, uh, you know, I, I thought he'd give a little bit you know, in every capacity of the game, but not not to what he's been. And uh, I was very much uh, impressed. And then before I 
let you chime in to, you know, Lawson, obviously we love him. He just needs to be on the field. I mean, when he's out there, the, the field tilts. Uh, I, I think we all see that. And he, you know, the offense really has to, has to bend toward him. So again, if he could ever play six, just 16 healthy games, 17 healthy games, whatever it's going to be. Uh, and if that, that, that core four right there could play, you know, together with the rotation they have at all times, it's asking a lot for everybody to stay healthy, obviously, but if we could ever get, you know, a full healthy season out of all those guys, uh, D-line would be in good shape. Yeah, and, I mean, with Lawson, you can say the same thing about, like, Denner, but I think we're looking at the beginning of the season, they had a lot of problems, and those guys got got in there, and all of a sudden, right. like, the defense was pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, there's a learning curve, but then, the, you know, some of those top players not being there, uh, you know, that was that was, that was was huge. Um, and yeah, the defense definitely changes. Like, Carl, you know, Carl Lawson changes the defense out there, you know, plain and simple. Um, Hubbard is a really interesting moving piece. And I feel like the old staff tried to turn him into an interior pass rusher. Yeah. And he wasn't great at that. And the new staff does that with him a little bit, but they kind of went the opposite direction where, I, you know, I, I was saying early in the year that he was basically uh, an under-front Sam linebacker. Uh, yeah. He's standing up on the last scrimmage a lot. He's dropping yeah. off. Um, and, you know, so he's he has an interesting level of versatility. Um, you know, I, so, you know, the different things they can do with him, I think, make him very valuable. I – I thought that he was he and Gino were the only players that I thought were capable of holding an edge at the beginning of the year, um, mm. and you know I was kind of playing around with like maybe they should actually go to a three four and put Gino on the on one edge and Hubbard on the other and just you know let those slow linebackers plug gaps. You know? Certainly, uh, in some in some down and distances, I was all for that myself. I, th- I think that would have actually you know. Giving them just a little bit, it's, like you said, play to their strengths a little bit more, you know, and, and not have them, not only just because physically they were overmatched, but I thought that they were sort of looking around saying, where am I supposed to be right now? I've been moving around so much. I, sure. I don't know exactly where I'm supposed to line up. I felt like you got that a lot from a lot, especially as you mentioned, because of the injuries, a lot of depth uh, pieces had to come into play, and those guys just didn't didn't fill in either mentally or physically the way they should have. But that's, yeah. you know, that's, that goes for a lot of teams. We can't use that as an excuse. But certainly when, you, you know, the Bengals are done alone. When your frontline guys are out, yeah, aspects of your team are going to suffer. And we saw that badly yeah. on the defense last year. And we're looking at Billings, uh, you know, had a, had a good year uh, and potentially becoming a free agent. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to see him back. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I think they have some, some, some guys. Um, Rennell Wren was a guy that I honestly didn't know much about him coming into the draft, but, you know, watching his tape, he was a guy they did a ton of things with. He's got some athleticism. You know, he can get a shot and hold, and hold line up front. So um, I, I, I don't know. You know, maybe Billings isn't a, isn't a huge priority there. Um, you know, with a guy like Wren, obviously they'll need some, some depth. But, um, yeah, so that's the you know that's the big thing at the moment really right now is uh, uh, facing them in, uh, in the off season is is what to do about Billings. Yeah, and it's again an injury factor there because the you know Rand had the hip and and Glasgow who a guy we kind of forget about completely you know when he's healthy and out there he does a lot of good things but another guy yeah. can't stay on the field uh, you know and it, it would be a good problem to have 
if the if the team could rely on anybody really to stay out there healthily. But you know, Billings is is solid. A guy like as you said, in a vacuum, you definitely would like to have him back. Uh, I think he'll test the market. I think he'll get some offers. I don't know that you know his position is quite as valued. You know, the thing is, they don't really have that back up to Gino in terms of a pure three tech guy. You know, they have guys who can handle it for a couple of downs, but. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a lot of nose guys, but not necessarily a bunch of three-tech guys. I wonder if they'll uh, think about addressing that in the draft. And mainly it's because of injury. And we just haven't been able to see whether even Andrew Brown, like a guy like that, he comes in and he sure. kind of has to play a little bit out of position or he's, you know, doing things that he's not – it's not maximizing his strengths just because of the way the injuries have hit and the way the, the scheme has set him up. Um, so it's an unfortunate thing. I, I, I do think – and we didn't even mention uh, – uh, Josh Tupo, uh, Tupo, uh, however you say his last name. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the Samoan dudes, but uh, you know sometimes their names <laughs> defeat me a little bit. Um, you know, another guy who has played well and kind of does a lot of the same things as Billings, and sure. you wonder if he's being looked at as a guy who's either a Billings insurance or just a guy that they'll say, "All right, you're moving into the lineup now, and we're going to let Billings walk and and spend the money where we." you know, need to and elsewhere on the team. It'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. I, I, obviously, because of the way the injuries have affected the, the line, especially in that particular part of the line, you want to have Billings back just because you know he's stayed healthy for the most part uh, the last couple of seasons and because you need every everybody you can get back there. So in Absolutely. that sense, I think they, they might be more inclined to keep him where they weren't before because of the uncertainty behind him because of just so many guys going down that they'll probably look around and say, all right, let's just, let's go with the guy we know. And the guy we know is, is reliable enough to stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that gets us uh, to the other side of the ball and to the offensive Ah. line. Now, uh, obviously here's, here's one good thing. So we can see the Bengals have gotten better in two positions uh, already this off season, I'd say. And and one we'll talk about at the at the end of the quarterback position because I think we all know where that's going. Uh, but the other is offensive line because hey we got that first round pick from from last year coming back uh, in Jonah Williams. Um, yeah, no. You know had uh, uh, Fred Johnson come on early or uh, at the end of the year last year do some impressive things. Um, unfortunately, you know we'll probably get into being a swing guy and I think we all want him to get a chance at right tackle, but I don't I don't know if that'll happen or not. Um, Trey Hopkins, you know, really solidified himself at the center position. Uh, but obviously there's some big question marks there with both the guards, uh, and, you know, right tackle with Bobby Hart being a concern there as well. So what's, uh, what's your feeling, uh, on the offensive line, uh, in Cincinnati? Yeah. The, uh, the perennial concern, as I call him, Bobby Hart, uh, <laughs> you know, well, let's start with the positives. I mean, you know, you were a coach. What would you do with Jonah? Would you tell him not to touch any weights, not to uh, cross any busy streets, not to do, uh, you know, not to, not to get on any scooters? I mean, yeah, we need that guy to be healthy and ready to go beyond desperately. You know, and I, I, I get into all the talk about how the national media has kind of, you know, misread and has uh, disrespected the Bengals over the last couple of weeks when we talk about Joe Burrow. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's obviously a place where they talk about the offensive line as if last year's, you know, number one pick uh, wasn't hurt and missed the whole season. You know, we, we are getting him yeah. back in there. 
Ideally, I mean, and, and then you have the, the weird situation with Clint Bowling. I, I think there was some indication of that uh, early in the year, you know, internally from, from what I've heard. Um, yeah. You've got you've got Westerman, you know, I mean, not that he was a major player, but you've got him retiring and retiring out of nowhere. Like, you had some weird things go on with that yeah, offensive line. I, I don't know. That, that Right. That room had a lot of issues. I and mean, We didn't even bring up Cordy Glenn, for God's sakes. I mean. And Cordy uh, Glenn, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. I, I mean, you put Bowling, Glenn, and, and Jonah Williams on that line, we're doing yeah. all right. It's a whole different, <laughs> it's an entirely we, different. You can live with Bobby right? Hart, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Then Bobby Hart's just like, uh, oh, okay, he's, you know, he's holding down the fort. And, you know, to be honest, I thought he played, he wasn't good, obviously, but, I mean, the way he was made out to be, you know, Cedric he 2.0, I mean, he wasn't that bad. You know, he had a couple of moments out there where he, you know, he was at least confident. Uh, he wasn't just getting steamrolled com- continually out there. So even he was, you know, below average but not completely awful. As you said, Fred uh, yeah. Johnson, uh, you know, really showed me something at the end of the I was, I, you know, I love having the guy. We were talking with the uh, defensive backfield how you like to have kind of mix and match kind of physical traits, and I feel mm-hmm. like with Williams and Johnson, you really get that. You get, you know, the kind of technician knows every last detail of the offense and where he's supposed to be in Williams. You know, this is projecting, obviously, but this is you know, mm-hmm. certainly what he was at Alabama. You get that kind of guy on one side, and then you get the man mountain uh, in Johnson <laughs> on the other side. I kind of like that mix. You know, I like having at least one guy. That's why, even though Orlando Brown, going back to, you know, a year ago, when he tested so poorly, there was still a big part of me that wanted the Bengals, and they were they were talking about him, uh, about drafting him, and or two years ago, I guess it was, uh, and I was for it just because of, you know, just the sheer physical space that he takes up can be valuable yeah. in a lot of different situations. I thought Johnson, in a slightly more limited sense, brought that to the team at the end of the season. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to, like, hone how I look at things. And yeah. a couple of things that pain me as a coach to, to admit and to have to face, number one is that I I kind of feel like I overvalue tackling at linebacker, which literally makes me sick to say. Uh, but <laughs> that if you're just fast at linebacker, like you can survive with that. Uh, yeah. And I think on the offensive line, especially a tackle, um, you know, like take a guy like Mackay Becton, right? Who's, who's flown up draft charts, right? Here's the thing about Mackay Becton and about Trent Brown, about, you know, Orlando Brown. Um, like even if you don't meet your potential, just by being massive, people have to run yeah. around you, you know, totally. and, and and they're not getting penetration just because you're massive. So, like, those guys have a really high ceiling just by getting off the bus. Um, yeah, and it, right. and it's so tough for me to them. deal with because, you know, you see bad things on film and, you, you know, like, I don't think, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm in a little bit of the minority on this, but I'm not a huge Mackay Becton person. Uh, like, I like yeah. him, but I don't, I don't top ten like him like people do. Um, but, you know, I got to deal with the fact that he's so massive that you know, his downside is so, is so low uh, that some of the things that, you know, that he doesn't do on film all the time, some of the inconsistencies I see, maybe they don't matter. Uh, so maybe I think they you don't, could, right? Yeah, maybe you could say that with Fred Johnson, too. Um, yeah, I think there's something to that. And I think a lot of coaches look at guys, especially like a Becton, and they say to themselves, well, I'll – smooth out the price you know that's a classic coach's thing as you no doubt know he's like hey I'll give, 
get my hands on one of these rare specimens and I'll teach him how to play the position right. Just give me the, the, the clay and I'll mold it. Mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. that, I don't know how that really plays out on a team-to-team or year, you know, player-by-player basis. I think a lot of times coaches overvalue their ability to do that, and especially – with the way practice time and, and hitting is is going away in terms of, uh, you know, especially in the new CBA, they're going to have even less time to have their hands on these guys. That a guy like Becton, as you say, his value is going to be uh, in pure planet size space eating. You know, it's, it's yeah. uh, there's just so few guys like that that you can roll out there and just make life difficult. They have to run around him, and just from being leaned on, you know, I think we—I mm-hmm. uh, don't know if you're a boxing fan, but in the in the Tyson Fury fight and uh, Deontay Wilder, now Deontay Wilder is, is a huge guy himself, but you know depends on space and speed, whereas Tyson Fury, you know, an enormous guy, just leaned on him and and completely took away his will to to continue. And I think uh, giant sure. offensive linemen are doing that, you know, on a weekly basis in the NFL, and it helps to have a guy like that. Not that Jonah Williams can't necessarily do that. But I think mm-hmm. we all know scouting him at Alabama and what we're expecting from him is, is not so much the pure physical force, but just doing everything technically right. You must love him just from a coach's perspective. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Seeing, seeing the, the, the way he processes things and the way he, you know, he, he technically approaches that position. He's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I'm and, not and that's really interesting. That's really interesting when you consider uh, the defenses are getting smaller, you know, and, and right. we don't. We don't even really care that much about length at, at the edge anymore. We just want speed, and they're smaller guys. And, and yeah, and, and you know, and, and people talk about, and I, I don't know how well analytics supports this, but, you know, you talk about running the ball to wear a defense down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mekhi Becton, you know, pushing on a, a, a smaller, faster, you know, quicker defensive end, for you know, for for the first two quarters, and then that guy trying to rush the passer later in the game, you got to think that's got an effect on that guy. No doubt, and, and you know, even beyond the analytics, I mean, analytics will tell you that the best thing to do, and I think we all know this is is really pass to set up the run, but that that applies in that case too. You know, I mean, you're you're talking about defensive ends having to run further every play or do things differently every play that's using more energy, and by the sure. fourth quarter, they just can't muster up that strength and there's also something to the idea and I think we saw it a little bit with the 49ers the, the success that they had in and certainly the Ravens to an extent it, when every defense is going smaller and trying to match the passing game you go huge you know it's the classic mm-hmm. dig for when the league zigs you zag uh, something the Bengals are traditionally behind on in general um, but you know there's a lot to that and you know getting back to our original point that's where I think yeah, Bobby Hart is not a small guy, but he kind of plays small. And I think that's always been his issue. You know, they, they, they brought him in thinking, all right, there's a classic example. He's a guy with you know, rare size, athletic ability, hasn't shown it on the field, but once we get our hands on him, we're going we're gonna to show uh, what he can do. And you know, some guys don't ever develop that way. And if you don't have that sort of overwhelming size, it doesn't have the same effect. And I think that's where he, he leaned toward Johnson over Hart just from a purely physical standpoint, obviously, and, and then you turn on the tape and you see that, you know, in the small size, he's done a lot better than Hart has too. But I, I suspect, just based on contract, uh, they may certainly give Hart the position at least going into the uh, into 
you know, the offseason or uh, the uh, training camp. Yeah, season, and then and, you know, see what it, happens from there. It, it was interesting too. I mean, uh, you know, trying Johnson as a left tackle. Um, you know, what was the strategy there? You know, assuming they're moving on from Cordy Glenn. Um, right. You know, is it to maybe Justin gets to try a chance at right tackle and then. You know, worst case scenario, who's the swing? Maybe he gets the right job, but he's still kind of the swing guy. Uh, if anything happens to um, to Jonah again, um, you know. But the other the other thing to think about is Fred Johnson played guard for the Steelers right. uh, when they brought him into camp, and the original plan was they they, they were moving Cordy Glenn to left guard so they'd have somebody you know with some experience there next to Jonah. Uh, with guard being an issue, I kind of wonder if, if maybe you know maybe Fred makes that move inside and plays next to Jonah on the left side. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll, yeah. t- time will tell. But um, and, and then that's the other thing too is it gives them that flexibility because we talk about a swing tackle, but that's not always the way it worked out. And even even though we didn't really have the body type, you know, we're, we can all remember Clint Bowling being the left guard and bouncing out to left tackle when he had to. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a, a swing position, uh, position for, for Johnson, left guard, left tackle. Sure. And Whitworth, obviously going back and forth over his career too. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it just, it, another thing that, you know, while we're on the subject of what the league values, I think nothing is more valuable in this day and age than the position flexibility, you know, uh, Absolutely. especially in the old line on that line. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, they're not carrying, you know, they're not carrying a full two deep on the offensive line. <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah, no doubt. I, I think that and, I think people don't realize that all the time that you know that there's no there's not a backup right tackle. There's like one backup no. tackle. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and when I was taught when when I started uh, and and I I worked with a, a a great offensive line coach. Uh, you know, taught me a lot of things I know about football. Is actually the offensive line coach of the University of Kansas now. Um, mm. And and what he taught me right away was on the offensive line. You've got to be able to do two things. Um, you know, center is kind of a bonus. If you can snap, it's a bonus. But um, you're either, if you're a tackle, you're either a right tackle and a left tackle, or, you know, or you're playing right tackle and right guard. Uh, so he wanted to, either I'm learning one side to do things on, and I'm learning, you know, two different positions uh, or, yeah. uh, you know, techniques, uh, or I'm learning both sides, but I'm learning one position. Uh, you know, it kind of makes it mentally easier a little bit, so they're not learning everything, but still gives you a lot of flexibility when you can do that. And, uh, so that's where it comes in. Yeah, you know, what do you want to do with Johnson? Is he is he a is he a guard tackle or is he a tackle tackle? Right. I think that's they're going to experiment with both. I would imagine uh, during the preseason and, and in training camp. Uh, and you know, I think you'll see that from even Jonah. You know, we we automatically pencil him in at left tackle, but there was a lot of talk coming into last season that maybe he would. You know, he could play some right tackle. He could even play some guard if he needed him to. That was obviously, mm-hmm. you know, depending on who else the Bengals were going to have out there. It became quickly apparent that, you know, they didn't have anybody really better than him <laughs> to play left tackle, so they penciled <laughs> him in there. But, you know, and, and Billy Price, who I thought the uh, much lamented Billy Price, I mean, even he is a guy who, uh, you know, it is looking like guard is his future. Maybe that was the, should have been the case all along. Uh, yeah. And, when we drafted him as a center, that was a, a desperation move and not a move, you know, that really mm-hmm. maximized his potential. I and, mean, you know, obviously they did play him some at guard last year. He didn't necessarily show that he was any better there than he had been at center, but, you know, he's been <laughs> battling injuries too. And, you know, I think maybe you, you, you don't, give him a chance honestly, right off the bat. That, you know, honestly, I thought his best game 
was he played one game at right guard. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I forget, it was later in the season, I forget what week it was. Yeah. But that was the game where I was like, you know what, he looks kind of all right here. Uh, and maybe it was due to injury and, you know, the foot he's pushing off of is different at the right guard or something. I, I don't know. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I would like to see him get an opportunity to compete there with Miller because I, I thought he looked better at right guard than he did, did at left guard and certainly than he did at center. Um, yeah, it just didn't seem natural at either of those latter two positions. And you're right, right guard for reasons. I mean, it could have been just the way he kind of meshed, you know, with Hopkins on his left instead of his right. You know, it's impossible to say without really getting into the weeds with these guys. But I think you're right. I think, and I think they will give him the opportunity. You know, I mean, there's and, a lot of time about somebody, dumping them. But somebody listening about. to this podcast is going to be able to, to tell me the truth. But I believe he played right guard one year and left guard another year at Ohio State before he moved to center. I know, he, I know, he definitely played guard next to um, yeah, he was guard. Line, but uh, but I think he, I think he did some left and some right. So um, I don't know, it'd be something to, to dig up those, some of those games and see how well, he looked they, in college or something. But his versatility, so it wouldn't surprise me if he played both. Uh, it might yeah. not have been one season at, at left and one season, you know, he might have mixed and matched uh, along the way, which was a good thing. I think they valued that as well with him coming out. And uh, even though the, the, the center was such a glaring hole, it wound up kind of putting him back in the injuries and everything else. But I think they thought in the big picture, hey, here's a guy who's played a lot of guard and played on both sides, and he should be able to pick it up, you know, mm-hmm. if he's fully healthy, then, uh, you know, without a, without a hitch. And hopefully that'll be the case. You know, he's entering a, a big season for him, but I mean, I'm not I'm not one who thinks they're going to dump him. I don't think really they should, you know, again, with no. the depth. If he gets beaten out and there's, you know, the offseason develops where we have, you know, by some miracle, three or four guys in there who are obviously better and they just get rid of him then, that's one thing. But, you know, I think he'll get every uh, opportunity to to prove himself in at all three, you know, backup center and at, at the guard spots. He's still on a rookie contract. You know? right. I mean, exactly. you know, it's one thing when you start talking about a fifth-year extension, but he's still on a rookie yeah. contract. I mean, yeah. keep him keep him as a backup. I, you know, I don't care if he never sees the field. If he's on the roster, uh, you know, as a you know as that guy. I mean, if you if you're if you're uh, you know if your backup guards aren't seeing the field, you're doing pretty well. That's a right. much better injury yeah. situation. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he's not he's not costing anything to keep around. Yeah, um, nickels behind the cushions, exactly. I, I, I never understood why people were so. I mean, I understand that people are frustrated with him and, and want him gone, but uh, people who should know better are thinking that he's a, he's a likely uh, guy to get cut or or dealt. I'm just I yeah. don't see that at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I, th- I think I think Delta is one thing. If somebody really thinks, you know, like like you yeah, talk about the, 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 the cocky sure. coach is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this guy the man. And, and, and we're thinking he's a, you know, he's the, the third guard, then by all means. Uh, but, but yeah, and, and it comes back into what we talked about, about, you know, the gut reaction to cut a guy. And it's like, okay, well, what then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, that's why. That's why I prefaced it by saying, you know, if, if somehow, you know, I don't know, you know, if, if uh, the Bengals sign, you know, Joe Tooney or something like that, or yeah, some yeah. bizarre circumstance happens where they come up with three guys uh, who are demonstrably better, is that that's one thing. But you know, the odds of that happening are, are pretty infinite. So, uh, pretty small. I don't. Yeah. I, I think he'll be out there in stripes again next year. Yeah, and I think, uh, um, you know, Michael Jordan. Had some struggles early, yeah. but I thought Michael Jordan looked pretty decent at left guard too. So Another guy you definitely want to see some guys come in here and compete uh, on the offensive line, but there are some guys that have some potential. You, just, you certainly don't want to rely that 
both those guys are, are going to put it together next year, uh, yeah. and that Hart's going to be great. Uh, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell on either of those two guys right now. No, they're both young. They both have pedigree. You know, they were both very good at, at a at a powerhouse school that provides, you know, dozens and dozens of NFL players. Uh, and, and they were rookies. And there was a lot of, you know, as we said, extenuating circumstances going on last year. A lot of uh, stuff that was outside their control that, you know, kind of caught them up in the maelstrom, whether it was injury or who they were playing next to, was varying constantly. And the team didn't know kind of what they wanted to do a lot early. Uh, you know, and it just there was a lot of things that worked against them. And both have raw talent that, like you said, that they're, they're certainly not guys you're just saying, uh, these aren't John Jerry. You know, they're not guys you just want yeah. to get off the team as soon as possible. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of, if the upside's not what you thought it was going to be, there's certainly, you know, something there that's going to, that, that, that is room to improve and, and be at least quality, you know, NFL guys, even if they're not, you know, guys who are studs. At least they're guys who you're not going to be, you know, uh, hanging your head the second they trot out of the field to play. I and mean, that's, you know, that's... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what it comes to. It's okay to judge a draft, but I think that too often we judge players on their draft position. You know, and, and oh, Price sure. is a victim of that. It's like, hey, you know what? He was the first pick, and and shame on the Bengals for that. But that has nothing to do with who he is right now. You got to judge right. him as as what he is as a player. And you know, when it gets to that fifth year extension, then you know he's, story, he's, he's not going to be the player that's making that kind of money. But, Man, um, but yeah, you got to right now he's a guy in the roster, and if he's the if he's the third best guard on, on the roster, then he's making the team for that. You know, and, yeah. and you, that's how you got to look at it. Uh, heard so, by the Lamar Jackson thing too. Just not interrupt you, but I mean the Lamar Jackson <laughs> thing obviously hurts him. That that, that this is a bad book. And, but you know, I thought that's what that's one thing that Zach Taylor's uh, initial season popped for me in a positive way was that he was not necessarily beholden to guys' draft position or, or contract when in terms of you know getting getting run out on the field. You know, I, I felt certainly sure. in the, in the Marvis Lewis era that was a problem from time to time where guys were playing because of who they were. And that mm-hmm. led to a lot of staleness, you know, in, in certain positions and it, it with uh, guys who were around a year or two too long. And I thought, uh, you know, Taylor was not necessarily uh, the same. And we saw it, obviously, a quarterback. And throughout the uh, throughout the roster, I thought he was willing to, you know, have everybody compete and the best man win. You know, it, it didn't always play yeah. out exactly as he wanted. But I think, you know, in this case, like you say, I mean, uh, you know, he's not going to look at Billy Price and say he has to be playing because of where he was picked and vice versa. He's not going to bury him now because he's been a disappointment for two years. I, I think he'll get a fresh start and, you know, may the best man win out there, and I think that's all you can ask for if you're Billy. Absolutely. So, you know, sticking on the line, moving to moving to tight end. Um, yeah. So you, you mentioned Sample earlier. Uh, you know, yes. So round two pick, a uh, guy we didn't see a ton out of last year, some injury issues. Um, CJ Uzama is a guy that I feel like last off season, everybody loved. And I've always <laughs> just kind of thought he was okay. Uh, and then what did he do? He went out and had an okay season and now everybody hates him and wants to run around out of town. I feel like, uh, but, really? but honestly, I, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of uh, negative, negative vibes about him, uh, from, from people online. And I mean, I just kind of, I feel like last year is about what he was. Uh, you know, yeah. he's he's a he's a solid player, okay blocker, okay in the pass game, but not gonna you know light anything on fire. 
Um, and then obviously there's the potential to bring back Eifert, uh, who really is the light on fire in the past game guy and, and not much else. So uh, what's, what are your thoughts on the tight end position? Well, everything is, is sort of cast, you know, in the shadow of what Eifert, you know, could have been and, and what he maybe still can do and or what he's got left and or if he's going to be on the team. You know, when you judge uh, Uzama, you know, it's everything is at least I, what I sense from Bengal fandom at large out there is that, uh, you know, in one on the one hand, he's a guy what caught fewer than thirty passes at Auburn, and they and they took him on a projection and made him into a you know a quality NFL guy. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's a guy worth another contract, and the guy who's you know is not Gronkowski, but he's not he's not hurting you out there, that's for sure. Uh, so that's good. But then you look at what you could have had with Eifert, and certainly in, the, in just the passing aspect of it only, and uh, obviously Uzama's never going to be that, and so the, it's sort of. You know, you can't. He, if you're a CJ, you can't win for losing. You know, you can't yeah. ever match up to what could have been in the Eifert uh, situation. And yet, at the same time, he doesn't get the respect for kind of developing into a, a solid NFL player out of kind of nowhere. Um, you know, so he's not a guy. As you say, he's just looking ahead to this year coming up. I mean, he's not a guy who you're necessarily relying on but if we're going to project him as a guy who's going to be a you know a, a decent outlet and a guy who doesn't kill you in the blocking uh aspect of the game and if he and sample can kind of get you know what i think they originally were envisioning and, and maybe not until year two for sample anyway uh and you know just as sample was starting to figure it out he got hurt of course which you know mm-hmm. naturally <laughs> these are bengal tight ends that's what happened uh you know i think if they can provide that sort of you know, two tight end, both are, you know, one is stronger in the in the one part of the area than run game and one is stronger in the pass game, but both are threats in either. You know, they can't tilt the defense toward ganging up on one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then you might have something there. And, and I think, you know, with what they're looking, not to jump ahead to Joe Burrow, but I think, you know, they look at Uzama as a guy who, who can do certainly what uh, – what Thaddeus Moss did at LSU and be another outlet guy when the when the defense is spread out and gang up on the receivers, assuming everybody's healthy and, and Uzama can certainly uh, you know, do something in that scenario. They might have something there. I'm painting the uh the rosy outlook, obviously. Uh but <laughs> you know, and then the question is whether or not they keep Eifert and I would be I guess surprised if they did and, you know, um worried that as I have forever that you know, since he became a free agent, that you know he'll find, you know, glorious a second act in, in New England or Pittsburgh or someplace that's just going to gnaw at Bengal fans forever because that's just sort of what we have to live with uh, as Bengal fans. And yeah, but saying that, I, I'd be surprised if they kept him just because now that he put 16 healthy-ish games on tape, somebody's going to grab him that needs desperately needs a tight end, and the Bengals aren't necessarily in that position. You know, they they still like. You know, they like Mason Shrek, they like Kith and Carter, they, you know, they have a, certainly bodies out there, and none of them are, are Tyler Eifert in his prime, but, you know, is Tyler Eifert ever going to be true Tyler Eifert again? It's it's a roll of the dice that I don't think they're willing to take, and I think he, he may be the odd man out this season, and all I can do is pray that he doesn't, uh, doesn't haunt us terribly. <laughs> and, and, you know, it would be great to have the guy, but it also comes down to do you need that guy? You know, because, again, like, Uzama sample, they're kind of well right in both spots. Uh, you know, Uzama's you know, probably the better receiver, or at least we've seen more of him at the, at the receiver spot, but not lighting it up like Eifert would. Uh, but at the same time, 
you know, you look at the receiver position. We've got Boyd. We hope we have AJ. We hope we have John Ross. Right. Um, and uh, and he got Auden Tate in there. He's done some good things. Uh, you know, a couple of young guys too that, that that showed some promise. So you know, when it comes down to it, like you're looking at how many balls you have to go around. And I mean, you know, looking at the at, at the Rams by comparison, you know, uh, and obviously we, we probably do that too much because of Zach Taylor, but. Sure. Um, you know, Gerald Everett and um, uh, Higby, Higby, you know, yeah. they're you know, the kind of same ballpark to what that combination could be. Um, yeah, and think... the real plays are made with their three stud receivers. So, I mean, there's a potential to have that and to have that kind of divide. And, uh, you know, because if, if Ross can be what he has shown flashes of and if A.J. can be A.J. again, um, you got three guys at that receiver spot that you got to get up a lot of targets to. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, I think, another thing that fans tend to overlook. It's like, all right, well, we know Eifert is, you know, red zone assassin, but in the overall big picture, how many targets is he really going to get, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, he's only going to be, you know, so much more than, than any other tight end they bring in there. And as you say, they, they're just a plethora of potential targets, and there's a lot of ifs still involved with that. And, you know, who knows by the time – week one rolls around they could be looking at a three tight end lineup and, and don't have any receivers to speak of beyond Tyler Boyd again like they did at the end of last year should be tough mm-hmm. but and you know this is a great draft for receivers we've talked about it everybody knows it's it's a, a very very deep draft even if they don't go that way at 33 uh you know there's there's probably some some decent talent to be had in the in the mid rounds there so uh we could be looking at another guy you know who's going to is going to be part of the mix as well in terms of getting targets. So, so as you say, I was thinking of the Rams example when, and, and to a lesser extent, uh, you know, a couple other teams around the league, like the Ravens, who use multiple tight ends to, you know, their advantage. And I think Sample and Uzama can potentially give you that flexibility you need. Whereas I said before, you know, the defense is not automatically attuned to sort of one player or the other the second they see them on the field. If they can run, you know, uh, multiple formations and, and keep the defenses off balance with either one or both on the field at the same time, then you're really looking at a defense, uh, offense that'll be hard to stop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what comes down with the receiver position. Definitely got to think they're at least adding some depth there because, I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> I think it was like, DJ uh, Daniel Jeremiah said that he's got like 27 receivers in his top 50 or something or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> you know, like so. I mean, it's hey, there's going to be some good ones. And certainly on day two, there's going to be some very good ones. But you know, there's going to yeah. be some good ones there at the top around four as well. Um, I think they've got a lot of guys that are good with jump balls and and you know contested catches. Uh, it would be great to see somebody other than John Ross that, that can get a little bit more separation. Yeah, um, no doubt. So, and and then yeah, you got to look at the future of that position. So, we don't know. You know, AJ is going to be there. He's probably going to be on a one year deal, and we don't know if he can stay healthy. Uh, Ross, we mentioned this earlier. You know, Ross is a, is the typical Bengals first round uh, pick, and that he was injured for his rookie year, uh, and he has been good, but not not good to where his draft stock is. You know, uh, when he's been out there. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's a guy that you, you gotta think, um, probably not getting, uh, his, you know, his, uh, fifth year option picked up. So he's a potential guy gone, uh, in another year as well. So, you know, 
it, it, it's kind of like the defensive back group where it's like it looks good on paper, but it could it, it's a house of cards, really. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs. I mean, it's it's even more than in previous years. I feel like the the the, uh, the ifs, the potential, the tan. You know, John Ross has there ever been a more tantalizing Bengal than John Ross? I mean, just like oh. <laughs> He's just in the field. Give me something. Even when he makes a big play, he gets hurt doing it. It feels like it. You just can't rely on him, and it drives you insane. But if he could ever just play, you know, a full season and and just take that top off the defense, you would just be so happy with with that pick, at least for a season. And uh, yeah, I think there's a strong possibility they're looking in that direction in the draft uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, and, and you know, not necessarily for for 2020, but certainly for 21 and beyond. And, uh, you know, that brings up whether or not they'd be looking to trade down out of that, that number 33 spot where yeah. they could pick, you know, get a couple of guys in that sort of, let's say, 28 to, to 48 range where there's a ton of wide receivers. You, you know, you don't you don't want to pick them in the John Ross area because <laughs> it could burn you, but if you pick them <laughs> in 40, you're loving yeah. life. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's definitely in play. Uh, given all their other needs, they definitely are, are going to be looking to pick a, a receiver you know, no later than round three, I would imagine. You know, I really get a feeling in this draft that, and, and I'm I'm a best player available guy, uh, and yeah. I don't believe in drafting positions, but I feel like whatever your team is, if on day two you come away with a cornerback and a wide receiver, you probably got two really, really good players. Uh, exactly. Just where the depth is in this draft, I mean, I, I think you know through round three, there's going to be some good players at those positions. Uh, well, so, yeah, we'll look at it. We'll see. But, it's just so you know. I mean, the, this time of year, I always call it the uh, you know the, sort of the fantasy draft because I, I look at how can we get the 16 guys I love <laughs> on the Bengals in the first few <laughs> rounds. Here. Obviously, I was, I was doing the same. Few, yeah, I was doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I need I need five day two picks. How am I getting? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you know, didn't you look at John Schneider with the Seahawks last year? Somehow conjuring, uh, maybe not five day two picks, but certainly a ton of them. And and you know, at least you know. Picking what looked like on paper a ton of good players, and it's like, oh man, can we do that? Can we just bounce around this draft and pick out yep. five or six of the guys I love right now? And, oh, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because uh, between you know, like, like I said, receiver and DBs where it's at in day two, but then I'm thinking, yeah, yeah 33 is a little high, but if they traded down and got got Antoine Winfield, man, that guy oh, makes picks. God. He plays well in the box. Like he'd be like a perfect yeah. fit and an actual yeah. like real upgrade at that spot. And yeah, you know, we were like, so you just, earlier you just about see, draft guy. Oh, yep. That's you just see, like, some of the linebackers, some of the edge players you see, you're like, this is where they're going to fall. How do I get to that pick? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do we accumulate enough that I get all these guys I want uh, who are, are not going to be there on day three? <laughs> so Exactly. Um, and, and do it proactively so that you don't be in a position where a team jumps in front of you to grab one of those guys. Like, you know, last year, the, the Dalton Risner debacle. That was, that was a guy I was mm-hmm. dying for. And, of course, you know, uh, we won't even talk about what happened with Pittsburgh in round one, but, uh, uh, you know, yeah, they got on Risner well, in the way they did. You know, I, I felt like, all right, you know, in the big picture, it wasn't a crusher. They did some good things, traded down, did, did what, you know, they, they wanted to do in the end. But, oh, you, you, that, when you have a draft crush and you're in a position to get them and somehow you don't, <laughs> it really it, it just hurts that much more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, I, you know, we'll we'll see uh, what happens yeah, when he stays healthy. I think we might have run on the Pittsburgh deal, but um, <laughs> uh, moving back uh, to the running back position. 
So Mixon enters a contract year, which is obviously yes. going to be a lot of controversy. Uh, Gio Bernard surprisingly got an extension, and I say surprisingly because they drafted two running backs in the fifth round last year, one Mixon clone uh, in, in right. Rodney Anderson, uh, unfortunately uh, couldn't, couldn't be healthy for the year. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm playing around with Mixon clone a little bit with that one, but Travion Williams really is a Geo clone. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't I don't remember watching a uh, college running back who I thought was as good in pass protection as Travion Williams was. I tell you, uh, and he, he's got he's got awesome hands, supernatural hands. Um, you know, I, I think it says a lot when you uh, get an offensive line coach from the college level and draft his running back. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would uh, after watching Williams' film, I would say Jim Turner uh, had a say in that pick. So Yeah, he had um, some juice there. Yeah, absolutely. So now, now what do you think uh, about the running back position and you know, kind of where that might be going in the future as well? Well, as you alluded to, they're sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't with Mixon, right? I mean, it's just the, the way of the world that we're living in now where you know, it's weird because the, the, I know when I was growing up, certainly, I mean, the, the league was built on elite running backs. And yeah. like Joe Mixon, you know, you got your hands on him and you were just set for a decade. You couldn't couldn't believe your luck. And now it's... it's yeah, those are, those are the stars. Huh? You know, in the 90s, yeah. those are the stars. Absolutely. Oh, God. I mean, and, and going back even further, you know, the '70s yeah. they were super duper stars, right? So, I mean, uh, obviously, I mean, we, back we, we were talking at one point about how John Elway couldn't win a Super Bowl because he didn't have a running back. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean, they got that, one that, and they did. You know, it's, it's millennials yeah. think that's a ridiculous statement coming out of my mouth, but it was true. You know? uh, it's it's hard. To, it's it's such a different way. It, it's almost like black and white versus color television, and or you know, using a, a VHS recorder versus streaming. It's so completely different that it's it's hard to wrap your head around. But in, in certainly in my lifetime, how much has changed? And now they're in a position where they have an elite running back, and if they pay him as such, they you know, sort of damn the franchise a little bit now in assuming that, you know, we, we draft Joe Burrow uh, and he is what we think he is. They have a little bit of a more leeway because the quarterback won't be making anything nearly as much as he should. So they have that going for them, and I can see that coloring their decision. Uh, also playing into it is the idea that, you know, for all the uh, opprobrium that they took for picking mixing, uh, mixing in the first place, you know, the fact that he's emerged as such a popular and obviously has kept his nose clean and been a, a really solid yeah. citizen, as far as we know, anyway, uh, all this time. And, and you know, everything he's done publicly, too, I think, you know, yeah. even like his social media, he's super positive all the time. Yeah. Like, he just seems like a great guy. Like, if you didn't know anything like about that. him, and you, and you, yeah, and you just followed it. You know, if you didn't know about his past, you'd be like, wow, he's the best dude in the team. Like right. and and and, and uh, down the sidelines, you know, jumping up yeah. and down on guys, and he's just, you know, he's, he's enthusiastic on a two and fourteen team. That alone, you know, you want yeah. back, and it's just, you know, it's just a question of avoiding the killer deal, then and you know, having him mm-hmm. in a deal and then tearing of uh, an ACL immediately afterward, which you know is, is classic Bengals <laughs> do. Uh, yeah. But I think. I certainly think they're inclined at this stage for everything that we've talked about. Uh, I think they're probably going to keep them uh, and they're going to mm-hmm. sign them to, you know, a deal. And they're just going to hope, you know, maybe some of those extenuating factors means that he gets, he'll be willing to take a deal. That's not quite as crushing on the back end. Uh, you know, you're not looking to dump them after two seasons, uh, you know, uh, yeah. 
You know, with with his past and everything that, you know, that happened with him, I I wonder if there is a loyalty there. Um, Although I would say, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, the the only thing I would, the only thing that that I I don't like about it, though, is that um, he, he is very supportive when other players get big, big contracts, like on social media, he's like the first one to congratulate Michael Thomas when he got that contract. Uh, yeah. So I, I do have a feeling he's got a big, he's got a big price tag uh, in mind. So uh, we'll he, uh, we'll see how that one that works way? out. What, was he going the? Was he publicly? I don't remember if he was publicly backing Le'Veon in, in the same way because I know Le'Veon had taken a few shots at him uh, on social media just because of Oh, I doubt he was with Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. If, if he had done it with Bell, then I would be really worried. So that, yeah. <laughs> that sense, it makes me feel a little bit better that he wouldn't go that far. It's not all about the dollars with him. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, let's just hope that for whatever reason you know, it works out. You know, I live in Atlanta. I, I see it up close with Devontae Freeman. At the time he signed it, that was mm. a disaster. So it's a little different there. You know, I'm in L.A. now. Uh, Todd Gurley, obviously a disaster. But, you know, he's he's had, you know, injury uh, circumstances that have uh, held him down. It, it, is Mixon going to be the guy who proves worth it? You know, that's given the team we're talking about, that's extremely optimistic and, and misplaced. But, boy, if anybody – you know, you're rooting for the for the kid to uh, to get his paid and make it worthwhile. That's for sure. And uh, just look at the other guys. Like you said, it's it's so weird. They have both, you know, Geo and Travion. You know, it's great in the sense that if they're both healthy, you can you know just sort of sub in one and sub out the other. They could wear the same jersey number. Nobody would even know. Uh, it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, one of the sort of criminal elements I feel like over the last few years is just the way that they have not used and, and maximized Geo's potential and, and not potential but his his skill set and the, and the things he's proven that he can do it just feels like yeah. for everything you know they they profess to you know and they gave him the extension as you said and they, and they you know value him as a team leader and for everything he does and yet you just every year you get the sense of unfulfilled uh, you know, you get that sort of still hungry feeling at the end of the year with him. And, uh, yeah, even last year when, season. even last year when it was like, you know what, put the guy in a receiver. You know, <laughs> with, yeah. with the right. they couldn't get separation. It was just like, you know what, make him a slot receiver. Don't take you don't have to take Mixon off the field. Make him a slot receiver. Have somebody that you know has a little bit more burst, a little bit more juice than what, what some of these guys have. Um, yeah, it was a little bit perplexing. It was like, man, why don't you, why don't you use him a little bit more? I mean, even uh, even Rex Burkhead, who's the the famous case of a of a running back buried on the Bengals roster. You know, uh, there was that year that that everybody got hurt, and they were starting Rex Burkhead at tight end. Uh, it was like an H back you know position, but I think it was Gresham was hurt and Eifert wasn't around yet, uh, and they were starting to you know like they they were at least creative with him and, and used him. Um, but yeah, it, it, it very uh, very confusing with with uh, Geo there. It's almost like, and you hate to believe it's the case, but it's almost been a case where either the team lost some confidence in him. I feel like it goes back to when he fumbled against the Chargers in the playoff game. You know, the famous fumble going into the end zone, and it's almost like his career sort of flipped at that point, and it, where mm. it was on a nonstop upward trajectory. For whatever reason, it's plateaued since that point, and. Like you say, if he was, I mean, you know, forget Burkhead on the Patriots. But imagine, you know, Geo catching balls out of the backfield from Tom Brady and, and running in that offense. The guy would be a household name. Uh, oh, yeah. And, 
you know, the Bengals just not only do they not approach that, they don't even uh, use him at all in that capacity. It's really puzzling, and especially last year when you had so many options down, as you mentioned, it, it just felt like a natural thing to, you know, use him in some other ways, use him creatively, flank him out. Do, and, yeah, I feel like they did try here and there and then decided the way to go was just to let Mixon, you know, kind of be the hero and, and you know, give yeah. him his uh, his his 30 touches a game and, and Geo pays for that. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's just really a shame that he's not been the breakout star he could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'd love to see him using both. You'd love to see him both on the field together. Um you know, doing some and spreading them out, and you know, doing some different things there, and maybe you know, maybe even a, a wildcat package or something along those lines. Uh, we haven't seen that since Mohamed Sanu left, you know. But, uh, and, and as long as we're talking about uh, you know chucking the ball, right? <laughs> uh, I, by the way, I had this crazy theory, uh, and I, I don't even. This is probably the first time I'm actually saying it publicly, but I had this crazy theory that the Patriots brought in Mohamed Sanu partially like to throw deep balls because uh, <laughs> Brady's arm was hurting a little bit. Never happened. Oh, yeah. Like there was actually, there was one time when it was, they were, they were to throw a Hail Mary and I was like, man, I wonder if Mo will come in. I wonder if it'd be Mo, but they, they, they didn't do it. That would, that would be I, a killer to, to Brady to, uh, to do that. Exactly. If, if he, if he didn't have all of those rings, I think they would do it in a second. <laughs> and I think uh, part of the negotiating uh, that's going on between Brady and the Pats right now is, yeah, well, you know, we got uh, Mo Sandy to take your spot if we have to. Don't, don't be too, uh, <laughs> too big on your demands there, Tommy. I don't know who you think, who you, think you are, but uh, we got a guy who can replace you. Just you know, he's incredibly accurate. Was he a thousand percent uh, completion percentage? Right? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's uh, it's a, the Rutgers guys. You know, they they, they collect them up there. So uh, that's I, true. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, but yes, uh, as we're going into quarterbacks, you were about to say go. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I, there was actually a whisper today that. Dalton might stick around. Uh, I don't know if I see that happening. Uh, so, obviously, Burrow's going to be the pick. Uh, whatever Mike Florio wants to say, Burrow's going to be the pick. Uh, and uh, Viewers fan Mike Florio. It's always good. Yeah, 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 no kidding, no kidding. Uh, so, uh, Dalton probably gone. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe bring in a veteran backup. Maybe not. Maybe just roll with Finley as the backup and, you know, really roll with Burrow. Uh, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on on this group moving forward? Can I uh, can I uh, stand for Jake Dolagala? I mean, uh, you know, let's throw him in All the right. mix. I think, yeah, you know, it's not okay. that you know we've seen him do anything except for a handful of preseason <laughs> plays. But you know, after the uh, the Finley uh, experience last year, I think we're all thinking the, sure. the same sure. thing, which is that you know it's almost like if you're gonna either Dalton and Finley, okay, they matched each other. You know, that, that felt like a natural one-two, right? Now hmm. you get Burrow, it's almost like you don't want to back him up with Finley if, God forbid, something happens to Burrow. You know, go with the wild card. Go with the cannon. Go with the guy. Sure. You know, I, I've sort of always felt this way in the back of my mind. I know the NFL and these coaches value so much the the Ryan Finley type, you know, the intellectual guy who's not going to, not going to kill you. He's not going to necessarily throw the terrible pick or or get you in the wrong play. Blah blah blah. You know, give me a guy out there. I, this is another way I feel like the NFL is changing slightly. You, you got to have a guy as your backup who can at least make some plays. It's not you don't want the guy who's just going to not kill you anymore. You got to have a guy in there who's going to do something. If you have any you know real uh, you know potential to to go far in the in that season. 
And Bill Agala, I mean, I know we haven't seen anything of him. It's pure projection here, too. But the one thing we do know is he's got a huge arm. He can, you know, sort of make high-variance plays in a certain way. You know, he, he kind of goes off script in the same manner Burrow it has, you know, showed at LSU that he was very capable of doing. Uh, yeah. you know, why not? You know, rather than bring in, you know, name your name your generic aging, you know, good in the in the quarterback meeting room, quarterback du jour type guy. I mean, why not see what Dola Gala gives you there? I mean, you kept him on the on the roster last year for a reason. They're not eager to get. You know, to for, to expose him to getting picked up by somebody else. Why not? You know, I, I'm just throwing that out yeah. there a little bit, but still, you know. I think there's something to say for the fact too turn, that like turn. you have that wild card guy, like just just roll with him because because yeah, if you bring in, you know, what happens if you bring in um, and uh, Fitzpatrick isn't available, but you know, you bring in that type of guy. That um, guy, right? Yeah, and and you know, or or even maybe you spend some money and bring in a Mariota. Like, hey, Burrow goes down. God forbid, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, those guys, like, maybe they win a couple games for you, but at the end of the day, like, again, this is one of the other things. This is another thing that I, I hate saying out loud as a coach because obviously I'm trying to win every game and I don't, I don't care who's on the field. But, um, you know, look at the 49ers. Uh, Jimmy exactly. Garoppolo got hurt. And, you know, all, all respect to Nick Mullins and, and, and Bathard, but, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being hurt put them in position to get the edge rusher that they have needed for years <laughs> in Bosa, uh, and you know, and then and then all of a sudden they, you know, they've they've got that and their quarterback's back, uh, and and that really you know helped to put their defense on the map and change their defense. Um, yeah, there's a so, theory. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. It's like, hey, you know what? If Burrow gets hurt. Yeah, roll Dillagala or Finley out there. You know, let, let them rock, and then you know next year we're next year that you're you're up there and you're you're taking a, a top tackle or a top defensive player, or geez, maybe a top receiver to pair with Burrow for the rest of his life. Right. Um, and all of a sudden you got really good really fast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> those guys and with Dillagala, I mean, all right, let's say Dillagala. What what are his, what are the possibilities with him? That you throw him out there for three games like you did Finley. Let's just say. Either he mm-hmm. stinks like Finley, and at least you know what you got, and all right, fine, he's done. Uh, or maybe he's really, you know, he really shows you something, and you can flip him, you know? You can deal him for somebody. You know? Absolutely. He's, he's never going to be Burrow, so, uh, you know, what we mm-hmm. expect Burrow will be. Uh, so, you know, I mean, maybe you discover a little bit of uh, plutonium in your backyard, and, and that helps you get to where you need to You know what? That's great, because that's, 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 that's a perfect thing to bring up, because really what it is is, you go in with Dola Gala, right, and as your backup. And either way, if Burrow gets hurt, you, you you've got a uh, you've got a Garoppolo situation. You've yeah, either got exactly. the backup you can flip, or you got the the backup that's going to lose you every game and get you a top exactly. pick. So, I mean, it's win win, right? <laughs> now, maybe Zach Taylor, we're not giving him enough credit, and he really knew that Finley was that bad, and that's why they went to him mid season last year to guarantee those extra losses to be in the position now to pick Burrow and, you know, completely change the franchise. Do we believe he has that kind of that kind of next-level deviousness to him, or was it just happenstance and Finley's just, you know, just crapped the bed when he had his chance? I mean, that's that's probably what I happened. Mean, but, you know, I, I like the idea that maybe Zach knew what he was doing in that situation. If he did, watch out. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Things, things, things are about to change. Because that's some that's some next level stuff if he was able to pull that off. So uh, now now on the on the borough uh, side of things, and, and this is something that uh, I've I've been asking people, and I'm going to ask everybody for the next several weeks here. What is your Joe Burrow comp? <laughs> you know, I've had so many uh, over the last sort of two months. Um, I, I remember the first thing I thought before he went into this incredible zone over the last month of the college season, where he was just so accurate, and this is going back, so a lot of people may not have even seen him play, but he reminded me a lot of Bernie Kosar, a guy who just you know, oh. didn't blow you away physically. Mm-hmm. He just... Every time he put the ball into a bucket, he's just like, ball, go here, and boom. This is during his, you know, his prime. He had a couple of two or three prime years. And uh, I was seeing Burrow do that. I was like, wow, you know, just that part of it. Now, you know, there's, there's other things, uh, you know, more recent guys. Everybody's got the Tony Romo comparison. I think that, that to a point is good. Hopefully he's, you know, shows up and I think he already has proven he shows up more in big games than, than Romo ever did. Uh, and I think Burrow might even be a better broadcaster at the end of the day than Romo. That's, <laughs> that's projecting way far down the line. Um, and, uh, boy, there was another guy I had in mind, and it just slipped my mind. There was another comp I had. But, the, the, you know, that's sort of what I'm looking for is the kind of, you know, he's no – I saw him compared to, to Andrew Luck, and it was like, all right, I can understand the sort of thinking in terms of his production, you know, it was like that in college, but he's, he doesn't have that kind of build, obviously. He's not thick like that, but if, uh, you know, if he, everything he showed me, and, uh, you know, I saw him play live against Oklahoma. I was in Atlanta. I went to that game. Uh, I could barely I could barely sit down. You know, I was twitching like crazy just in yeah. excitement over him. Uh, it was just unbelievable. Uh, I just, you know, there's, there aren't really that many other guys I can compare him to coming out of having a college season like that. I mean, you know, I, I, I think back over the last four or five years, all the guys who were really impressive, you know, Baker Mayfield was very accurate, but he wasn't nearly as athletic. He can process, I don't think, the way that, that Barrow can. Murray was a completely different player. You know, he had his – he was more of a run-around, make-stuff-up kind of player. Burrow has that, but he also, you know, runs an offense, I feel like, much better. Uh, you know, Sam Bradford has gotten some comparisons, but he's, he's so much more uh, athletic and, and just, you know, just sort of present on, with the team. He commands the team so much better than Bradford ever did, I feel like. So, you know, I, I'm, and um, part of me is, is hoping this is the case, but I, I feel like he's a little bit sui generis. You know, he's his own entity, and people are going to be looking five years, six years down the line saying, Boy, uh, who's the next Joe Burrow? Does this guy compare to Joe Burrow? Uh, and you know, <laughs> now having said all that, he'll probably you know tear his rotator cuff in minicamp. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's, the excitement level is very high, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what he can do. Now, who, who is your? Do you have? I know you've heard there's been so many comparisons. Do you have one that you love, or is there? He's sort of like me, where there's like four or five guys. I feel like he. He yeah, me. you know, I, I go back and forth. Yeah, there are a few that I like. Um, you know, my, my early comp for him is Marcus Mariota, and, and I think I got a, I knew I was going to get heat for that right away when I put it out there. Uh, but I think especially the way he was playing early in the year, you know, had some similarities. People forget how good Mariota was in college. You know, I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy. Trophy. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, I think Mariota, too, if, if – 
if if you flip their ages, you know, if you if, if Patrick Mahomes happened ten years ago, I think Mariota goes number one over Jameis in that draft because that, you know they're they're looking for the guy that can move around. Right. Um, you know, so you know, uh, he, he was yeah, he was good. He was he was accurate and he can move. He was gritty. Um, but it's the personality. It's really interesting. So much more football with Burrow. You know, they're looking for oh, us from. You know, yesterday yeah, yeah. It proved it alone. You know, we were talking uh, just after he gave his interviews uh, at the combine, and boy, was you know everything you want to see from a guy from a potential franchise quarterback. You know, cocky but without being, you know, mm-hmm. you know, douchey <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, word. Yep. And uh, you know, it, you know everybody talked about as I, commanding the room in the huddle. Boy, I love that. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I think that 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 gets lost on people sometimes too. That. You know, sometimes, you know, people are immediately turned off by, by a Baker Mayfield, you know, just the way he acts. And I, I think you need to have that cockiness without it being, like, selfishness. You know, and it's a real yeah. delicate balance. But, Blind. I mean, like the, the, the best quarterbacks have that. And I, I think in the past, maybe they weren't all as obvious about it. Uh, but, man, Tom Brady has it. Like, oh, man. <laughs> he, he didn't show it in interviews, but, man, he's got it. You know, and 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 Favre. You know, by the way, Favre. Uh, you know, Favre's a great a, a great comp. I think being a being a guy that um, you know came into my uh, into my own, I guess, uh, as in the '90s. Um, you know, Favre and Steve Young are comps that I love. Um, yeah. You know, I've always loved those guys who who could create, who could do things differently. Um, you know, you know, Steve Young. I was a huge Steve Young. I I, I remember watching Steve Young, uh, it, like doing a quarterback competition, like not even in a game. And I was like, this guy's awesome. And I'm <laughs> like, my dad, my my dad's there. He's like, yeah, he's never gonna play. He's 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 a Joe Montana's ba- backup. I'm like, he's gonna play. <laughs> yeah, he's I'm like play. I'm like eight years old, and and, and uh, you know, and the rest is history with him. But um, but it's interesting because he can do all those things. But then he's accurate and 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 you know commanding the team so like a more. like a exactly. like a breeze. So yeah, yeah, he's 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 young and Montana in in one in, in one, one piece. package, right? Yeah. I didn't want to say then, anything like that, and I, and I didn't yeah. want to say Brady in my comps either because that's you know <laughs> well, tempting the devil too much. But there is a little bit of it there, I, you know. I uh, it, uh, go ahead. yeah, and, and again, I'm going to say personality. Yeah, I don't, I don't, and you know, I say Mariota, and, and it doesn't mean he's going to be Mariota in the NFL. And I, and I say, I say Montana and then Brady and, and Young, and I certainly don't mean he's going to be that in the NFL either. No, of course. Uh, not. But 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 you see you see some of those things, and um, you know, we talk about being, um, you know, being you know cocky, and, and yeah, like I think you know, like you hear some of those stories about uh, about Montana too. That you know, he's a soft-spoken guy, but. You know that he was he was confident he could he could control that hole. Um, yeah, you know, even the, even before he was Joe Montana. You know when he was when he was the 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 you know uh, second round pick I believe. Uh, you know coming in third, there. I think it was. Yeah, third, third was he? Okay, yeah. I knew it was one of those two. I, I messed that one up. But uh, but yeah, you know that 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 he always had that 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 swagger about him. Um, and it's really finding what that what that you know that level of swagger. Without just kind of being a jerk that's that's covering up things, you know. Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's a delicate why I have balance. A hard time picking one guy to compare him to because you know there's the physical and then there's the production and then there's what we've been talking about this sort of off the field locker room guy and you know I don't know that there's been exactly a guy 
like him. He's a coach's kid, you know. He he has the chip on his shoulder from you know his Ohio State experience and having the transfer, and you know he always liked that. Even with all this stuff, you know, I, I feel like the Tua uh, thing, you know, people believing rightly or wrongly, or you know, there, there's certainly no wrong answer yet. But you know, you have another guy there who's going to always be compared to to Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. in their careers as they come, as they go forward, you know, and I think, I sure. think that's good. And that's something he responds to. You know, he said yesterday at the combine, he was saying, you know, I, I didn't want to throw and it's the right decision and, you know, all that. But then when you get out here, you're like, boy, I wonder how I measure up with that dude and that dude. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's what you want to hear. This guy yeah. every day makes me even more, uh, you know, just uh, drooling over the idea of what he can bring. And, you know, the, he, he's not the perfect prospect by any stretch of the imagination as we know he has you know he's not he's not john elway in terms of uh arm strength and his sure uh you know his his physical build is not luck like we said and he's got those mm-hmm. nine inch hands uh but uh you know i i just feel i remember when they were about to draft carson palmer and, and i certainly it great as palmer had been over the last you know six weeks of his college season i felt more questions about him for whatever reason that you know uh, mm. some of which proved true some of which did not and you know that he had his own history with the Bengals that we don't have to get into now but I just feel a little bit more uh positive and and optimistic about Burrow even than I did about Palmer and, that, and I'm surprised by that and yet you know whereas Palmer was sort of the perfect looking guy coming out of college that was what a quarterback at that time looked like now sure. I feel like Burrow is sort of what a quarterback looks like now, and it, and he fits the modern NFL so much better. And uh, yeah, you know, this guy could be there. Yeah. And for all the you know, and I don't want to say physical limitations, but you know that that he you know of the top quarterbacks, I don't think he has a weak arm, but he, he didn't have a strong arm as the rest of those guys. Um, yeah. And you know he doesn't have the build. He's got, you know, he doesn't have huge hands, uh, whether that matters or not. Uh, but um, I think it's interesting how he can win in different ways. So it's like his game has a lot a lot more than, and, you know, so you look at the Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes, I think, what, you know, people talk about the third down throw, and, and what really impressed, impressed me about Patrick Mahomes in that game was he just kept taking it. You know, oh, and, man, and you get beat up. Yeah. The 49ers had a great game plan. They did a really good job of containing him and of staying on the deep receivers, and that made Mahomes not be able to do what Mahomes does. And Mahomes didn't really like. He didn't adjust. He like he didn't. It's not like he started winning in a different way. Um, what he did was he kept taking his punches, and he outlasted that 49ers defense. Right. Uh, at, at the end of the day, and and that's great, you know, and 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 shows incredible toughness, you know, and, and you know all the right things about him, uh, you know, and and you know much more than just a Super Bowl win, uh, you know, added to his what will eventually be a Hall of Fame resume uh, in that game uh, with the things he showed. But I I feel like Burrow, like he, he was a precision passer early in the year, and he was just getting the ball off real fast. And then they drop more guys into coverage, and he's just like, okay, he stands back there and, and picks them apart that way. Um, you know, you you uh, give him an opportunity to scramble, he'll scramble. He'll find, he'll, he'll find it downfield. In that championship game, um, 
you know, they 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 gave them all they could handle in that championship game. Oh yeah, you know, they were all Clemson, over. Clemson did a great job, and you know, I I think it was his lowest percent, uh, completion percentage of the year. I don't want to be wrong on that, but like, but he was still he was completing deeper balls, and he was you know his, his you know I believe his average per uh, attempt was still was still the same, even though he's completed or, or shorter passes. So, you know, in a way, he's a chameleon. You know, you, you take him away in what he wants to do. He just does something else, and he's good at that, too. Yeah, he, he's uh, such a – you can see the way he processes, not just from play to play, but just sort of the strategic big picture of what, what the defense is trying to do and his counter to mm-hmm. that, and even a player or two ahead, and he's so on it. I mean, I don't know if that's because he's a coach's kid. I'm sure that helps. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the – there was so much talk about how you know Joe Brady transformed their passing game at LSU this past year, and while to a degree I think that's true, I think you know Burrow transformed it himself just as much, if not more, than than any coach did because he was you know just so adept at doing what we're talking about, finding what the defense can't stop and making it happen every play after play. And you got me in this, you got me in that. I'm going to beat you in this third way, and boy. That's the kind of player you want on your team, no question. Absolutely, and that's you know that's probably why we have so much trouble comping him because he's he's a chameleon. You know, he can he yeah. can do some different things. So, um, all right, well, uh, we better better cut it off there. We've uh, uh, taken up given plenty of Burrow love. There's lots of time to be given Burrow love over the next few months here. Um, so, uh, you know, while I have you here. Uh, where can uh, people that enjoy this conversation uh, follow you and your work? Great, uh, great, great last point to make. Uh, well, I'm at at Rob Wine, R O B W E I N. Uh, that's on Twitter, and uh, you can see me, of course, at Football Outsiders, where I'm currently doing a thing I do every year for the website, which is uh, naming the best player from each college team currently in the NFL. So each. You know, each of the best alumni, let's say, from, you know, from Ohio State and from Alabama and all the way through all the Power Five teams. That's just right now. Uh, I write on there quite a bit, especially during the season. Uh, I'm also an author, and I have a book coming out in July. You have to uh, buy that. It's not a football book. It's actually about a female tennis player who became a spy in World War II called The Divine Miss Marble, completely uh, on a different subject, but I think people will enjoy it as well. Uh, I'm, is, a is, is I'm, like, a, I'm like Joe Burrow. Is, is, that, is that a true story? It is a true story, yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely that, getting uh, that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's a very interesting tale. There's a lot of there's a lot of mystery involved in it, and uh, a lot of detective work by me. Uh, you'll see uh, when you get your copy. Uh, I wrote a book about a dog who was a prisoner in World War II, also a nonfiction story. That was my last book uh, called No Better Friend. So people can uh, can look for me not just in the sports section, but also in the in the history section, uh, their local bookstore or on Amazon. And uh, I'll talk about things that are not the Bengals, but the Bengals are my favorite subject. Uh, at the end awesome. Of the day, no well, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's <laughs> some cool stuff there. Um, and, and, and I, you know, and, and I was aware of your, your book. I haven't read it myself. I didn't realize it was based on a true story. That, that sounds really interesting to me as well. So uh, definitely have to have to check that out at uh, at some point. So, uh, you know, definitely a uh, a great follow. Hey, I, I got to ask you real quick, though. So with this uh, uh, top player from every college in the NFL. Do you do every college or are you just doing uh are you just doing the uh, FBS colleges? Yeah, yeah, just the Power 5 conferences. Okay, yeah, okay. Crazy, okay. Uh, I, all the way down the list. That was a little bit too much work. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I right. 
I, I probably don't. Uh, I'm a I'm a South Dakota State, uh, you know, two-time South Dakota State graduate. Ah. So um, I probably don't need you. To, uh, you need you to tell me that Adam Vinatieri is the best, uh, you know, for the uh, uh, well, X amount of years. Probably since Timmerman uh, left, the NFL probably been the best in the league. So. Yeah, no <laughs> well, isn't uh, isn't that Dallas Goddard's? Uh, College? Is oh, that's true. That, that, that's true. After yeah. last year, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe Gallard, maybe Gallard's pushing him there. That's that, that's yeah. a that's a very good point. So, uh, and I yeah, with Vinatieri uh, struggling a little bit. So, I think I saw them play North Dakota State live uh, one year, uh, a few years back when I uh, I was there to see Carson Wentz play, and uh, I believe it was again, it was either South Dakota or South Dakota State. I believe it was State. And uh, they actually beat North Dakota State that day. One of the few times uh, the uh, – It was definitely South Dakota State then. They're they're about the only team that ever beats North Dakota State. Exactly. Unfortunately, they they never seem to do it in the playoffs. Uh, A few uh, teams do. (laughs) Yep, yep. Talk about a dynasty. Yeah, I, I was actually uh, my my last game as a graduate assistant there. We uh, we beat North Dakota State to win the conference championship. It was the last year of the Division One uh, transition, so neither of us were eligible uh, for the playoffs that year. But uh, but that was you know that's that's my 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 claim to fame there, uh, <laughs> being being a part of that game, and, and then the rest ended up being history for North Coast State. So um, all right, so uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, you know before I go off on another tangent here. Yeah um, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you, uh, yeah, we'll have to bring you back sometime. We got a lot to talk about, but, uh, so, uh, make sure you turn, tune, uh, you know, back here, uh, every week throughout the off season. Uh, next week in the podcast, we'll be, uh, talking, uh, draft prospects, uh, and on the YouTube, uh, got a couple great videos out in the last few weeks, uh, on YouTube dealing with linebackers and edge players who are potential fits for the Bengals. Uh, and next week we'll be talking a little bit about some free agents uh, as we prepare for free agency uh, and, and breaking down a little bit of film, talking about guys that could be a good fit there. So definitely check that stuff out, and we will uh, we will see you then. For now, go Bengals. Go Bengals. Yeah, we coming for with flowers. Yeah, we coming for with flowers. You hear the crowd, we coming for with flowers. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.